All right, Annie. So this time around, let's uh, double time the uh, intro like a like a fine horse. Okay. All right. Will you uh, do the? I think you better start because right. you have the musical training. I have no rhythm. I. I oh, please stop. Well, but here we go. How are we gonna do this? Chapter by chapter, line by line. Let's make it a canter. Let's do our show and have a real good time with your pal Annie and Eric too. Chapter by chapter, line by line, we'll read along with you. We'll read along with you. Very nice. Thank you. Very yeah. nice. We can we can keep rhythm sometimes, and then sometimes we change our mind and decide I, to have, I a my, have a different rhythm. Yeah, I changed my mind halfway through it. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're awesome. Changing our mind halfway through it is what this podcast is all about. So I heard a little shaking noise. Could that be our special guest star, uh, one Mr. Leopold uh, Alexeyeva Wolfeld? Leopold Snoofington Alexeyeva Wolfeld. Right. Le- Leop- Leopold Snoofington otherwise known as Leopold Bloom, a.k.a. Leo, is our our, our friendly uh, dog uh, co-host. Absolutely. Uh, this this evening. Should I, should I open the door, let him in, and introduce him to the pod? Or? I, th- I think that uh, that Leo can come and go as he as he likes, if you want to. Yeah, I, I, you know yeah. what, I can't tell. Maybe he will be in or out, but he's, a, he's our friend's dog, and um, he's such a good boy. He's a real snoofleton, and I love giving him pets. He's a, he's a very good Snoofleton and uh, and a great fan of of Jane Austen. He loves Jane Austen. He thinks that some of her later works are a bit rough. But so I'll that's fun. the pod right there. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll close it now. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Absolutely. Goodbye, everybody. All Goodbye, right. everybody. We're 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 doing those kinds of puns now. All right, I'll muzzle it. <laughs> Eric has taken a three-hour energy, so this is the sort of thing we're going to be expecting from him. Absolutely, the kind of that—that's the, the, the quality puns. I'm bouncing off the ceiling. It's going to be great. Oh, and I'm binging. Hooray! Oh, my pants binging. Hooray! His pants are binging. He's bouncing off the ceiling, and so I am going to talk a little bit about what happened uh, in the last few chapters of Northanger Abbey. Oh yeah. So we're wait. Hold on. Let's uh, let's do a whole a whole intro. We're chapter by chapter. We do Northanger Abbey one chapter at a time. You do not have to read the whole book to join us. We're using uh, each chapter of this book mostly as an excuse to uh, shoot the shit about Regency-era underpants. Yep. They were very comfortable. They were very comfortable. Uh, high-waisted, the mm. imperial design. No no whaleborn corsets yet. That came later. Um, I think that mid-19th century fashion looks gross and stupid. It it does, but it, I think it, it it so beautifully reflects the culture, which is also I, gross and stupid. I, I kind of like it for that reason. Yeah, the only good person who was born who uh, was active in the uh, uh, mid nineteenth century was Abraham Lincoln and maybe Karl Marx. Yeah, the only two guys. Those they're just it. the two. They're just two guys. Yours, that's it. Just maybe those two. maybe Bakunin. Bakunin was pretty cool. Some ladies, I think. Jane Austen. Oh yeah. Well. Yeah, okay. Anyway, moving on. Um, so we've got, uh, yeah, so uh, we're on chapter seven of uh, Northanger Abbey. What happened in previous chapters? Last time on Northanger Abbey, Catherine Moreland goes to Bath. She uh, is probably looking for a husband. She says she's out just out for a good time, but everybody knows that her mom, 
you know, gave her, you know, that allowance so that she can go to Bath and scope out the, the um, all of the, the sexy young uh, rectors of marriageable age uh, to hang out with in Bath. She's there with the Allens, um, Mr. and Mrs. Allen. Mr. Allen, it turns out, is kind of a sleaze. Mrs. Allen is like a, is a flibberty gibbet. Uh, who only cares about clothes? She's a real will o' the wisp. She's she's your fake. She's a fake friend. She's she's fake news. <laughs> she. They also meet the Thorpe family and uh, Isabella Thorpe, who is the belle of every ball, and her three ugly sisters, who are hideous. Uh, and she she's not the only one who thinks so. We're not the only one who thinks so. Everybody thinks she is the most charming of the uh, Thorpe sisters. Uh, she also previously in the pump room at Bath had met a mysterious Mister Tilney who has disappeared from the face of the earth. Right. He is, he is nowhere to be found. He and Catherine hit it off, and unlike um, many of the men in this society, he can really have a conversation. Yeah. He, he's, a, he's a pretty... I think he's a pretty decent guy. We had been uh, really shitting on him in previous chapters. However, seeing the quality of man since then, uh, just the complete boring sleazes since Mr. Tilney, I've come to respect and appreciate... At least somebody who can hold a conversation. Right. When we, I think we're, we're we're beginning to like Mr. Tilney more and more in comparison to the the gentleman that we meet in Chapter Seven on Edgar's parade, and uh, who are uh, James Moreland, who's uh, Catherine's brother, and uh, John Thorpe, who's uh, Isabella's brother. So the thing about Catherine is she's uh, she I, I I've met so many Catherines. She is a teenager. She likes boys to a certain extent. She's not very aware of the world outside of her country home, so she thinks Bath is the biggest city in the world, and she's just uh, gobsmacked. But also, mostly what she wants to do is cuddle up on a couch and read a good gothic romance. Yeah, she is really into uh, Mysteries Mrs. of Udolfo. Mrs. Radcliffe's Mysteries of Udolfo, Absolutely. and she is trying to talk about it to everyone she knows so she can finally find out, find out uh, that it's uh, Laurentina's skeleton behind Absolutely. the veil. Yes, uh, there's a certain part like, uh, you know, who is, uh, who is you know, Bella going to end up with Edward or Edgar or Jacob or whatever. Or, I don't know, maybe the next thing on Buffy. The equivalent back then is, what is behind that horrible black veil? Is it Laurentina's skeleton? Right. I, I would say that, yes, it is definitely Laurentina's skeleton behind the black veil. And uh, Catherine is only interested in talking about gothic novels, whereas her friend Isabella only wants to talk about boys. It's a classic uh, Velma and Daphne situation. So, uh, chapter 7. Uh, they are fleeing the bathroom, the bathhouse, because there's a couple of hot boys they want to catch right. the eye of. They're chasing after two hot boys on Edgar's parade. They want to catch him outside the hat shop, and they miss them completely. Yes, uh, they completely do that. They go down uh, Cheap Street. Is that right? <laughs> they go down. They go down. Yeah, they go down Cheap Street. They go down Cheap Street. But I think "cheap" is one of those words. It's like an old English or Middle English words that mean doesn't actually mean mean cheap. It means like marketplace. Oh yeah, so uh, it's where they can buy a, a, a shoe shine for an a penny, governor. Exactly. They're, mm-hmm. they're buying a shoe shine for an a penny, and they're they're trying to cross the street. And uh, when a uh, Right on the London Road, all these uh, carriages, horsemen, and carts come in front of them and prevent them from 
discovering the two hot boys in front of the hat shop. These detestable gigs. I think we should do a bit here where we, like, take modern-day traffic inconveniences and apply them to 200 years ago. What do you think? Sure. Okay. Ah, uh, that that uh, handsome cab driver just cut me off without using a turn signal, which is two gas lamps. They hang on the bottom side of it. Yeah. Yeah, or just like they they have the, what happens in the chapter is that they uh that they see uh Catherine Moreland's brother James and uh Isabella's brother John in a gig. On the back of that gig is a uh is a bumper sticker that says my other wife is a Piccadilly wench. Yeah. And it's really trashy. <laughs> well, John Thorpe, whose who's gig it is, is really trashy. There's another sticker that's a Confederate flag, and in this circumstance, they really mean it, because it's that... Pe- no, it's that yeah, not for another are, 50 years. Well, well, you know, there there is that family in Mansfield Park whose money is all from the sugar trade in uh, in the Caribbean. Yeah. So they're, they're slaveholders. Absolutely. Uh, they have a bumper sticker with, like, the whole family, but it's like, uh, you know, the little stick figure family with the mom and the dad and the kid and the dog? Yep. But then it's also like, here are our servants, and here are, like, illegitimate kids, and here's dad's <laughs> couple of mistresses that he keeps in a, an apartment for in London. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what, what other things do they have? In uh, in the, the gigs of, of London, they have, uh, you know, a little... Uh, decal on the winch on the back uh the back window that says um uh baby corpse on board baby corpse on board exactly um and uh instead of like the suction cup uh garfield um is just a it's just a dead cat yep they have a hand-painted sign that says uh my son would have been an honor roll student but he died of tetanus exactly yeah uh <laughs> so so these are these are these is what uh, this is what appears on your gig, on the back of your gig, walking as up and down the on, London Road. On your horse-drawn handsome. Right? Isn't that a word? A handsome. A handsome. A handsome carriage. Although I don't know if it, it, are we if we're in the era of handsome carriages. No, we're in the era of gigs. I, I had a family friend once say to me when I was a child, "Isn't it a shame that in this day and age nobody remembers the different types of carriages there were in the 19th century?" Who said this? This is a this is a family friend, an academic, <laughs> and I thought to myself, "No, that is not that is the least sad thing I have ever heard." Why would is, anyone care? It is not sad at all that we don't know the difference between a a brougham and a hansom and yeah. a gig and I, a I don't whatever. know the different types of cars. Right. People are like, uh, I keep seeing things nowadays that are like, hey, like when trying to identify a car, you're expected to know the make and model. And it's like, what what planet do you think I live on where I would know the make and model? It was small. It had four seats. We don't know the names of trees, which presumably is something that we should know. The names of trees and of birds and and or or uh, this is something that I find as a novelist very, very difficult. The names of different pieces of furniture. Oh, wow. Oh, I, I have a friend who keeps telling me to, like, check her credenza. I said, what fucking, what the fuck is that? Well, it's, I think a credenza, and all that stuff is very localized. In a shiver robe. Right. A credenza somewhere else is a sideboard in Canada. Yeah. And it, there's, like, there's the Davenport, and then the Chesterfield, and, and just the sofa. There's also the Piddlywick, uh, the snoofer bottom. Um, I keep my underwear in my snoofer bottom. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I, uh... The Sumterfield? I haven't kept my underwear in my snoofer bottom since I was a girl. Oh, okay. You must I, you must try it. 
<laughs> I, 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 I find that the snoofer bottom gets a little bit moldy in uh, come summertime uh, when the rains come. Mm. There's the whitehead burstington, uh, which um, I keep in the bathroom. The whitehead burstington. Uh-huh, okay, exactly. it's a, so this is a, and this is an item of furniture and not something that you use to burst your whiteheads. Oh, he- <laughs> heavens no! So what? What exactly is a whitehead burstington? It's uh, well, it's like a chiffonier uh, in Canada. <laughs> A and shed. a headboard in that other place. Oh, I see. I see. So, so it has nothing to do with bursting your white heads. No, it's just a ridiculous name for a piece of furniture. Look, I have like three pieces of furniture in my home, all of whom are either like flat place where I eat, a uh, 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 shelved place where I keep clothes, and like uh, the thing that has the drain on it that I can, you know, brush my teeth in. Right. I think for the most part that th- this never ever comes up. What do you call the sofa? Yeah, like a specific type of sofa or tree or bird, uh, un- unless you are writing something, writing fiction, and want it, want it to be very specific and detailed. Come in, I- Eric, and hang your coat up on the petticoat snifter. Yes, that's a thing, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> the, the petticoat snifter, and well, you know, uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Allen at the end of this chapter describes, um, you know, tells uh, James Moreland all about her um, her muff and tippet. Oh. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed that too. And I, I, she, she had to talk to him for a long time about her muffin tippet. I can only imagine in a private room. Which makes me, you know, uh, you know, all of this language. It's like it's not as though Jane Austen and the people of her era were not aware that muffin tippet sounded sexualized. Well, I think maybe they had different sex puns. And they also had the same sex puns. They had the same they sex puns. They had the same sex puns. Right, so you so think this was on purpose. I, I, I feel like it's not not... I mean, she's she's a very, like, proper author, Jane Austen, but Muffin Tippet. Yeah. We, we did... Sorry to change the subject, but you had mentioned different kinds of trees also. Yeah, that was a thing. Like, back... Like, for the longest part of human history, people could be like, I cut a staff from a proud you. And it's like, what the... What is a you? I don't... I could not recognize. I mean, I know what you is. It's presumably a kind of wood, but I couldn't recognize yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know the word. I know it refers to a type of tree. I wouldn't be able to recognize that type of tree. I know that the trees um, outside of my parents' house are called sycamores. Yes, but that's it. Uh, I keep reading things where it's like I had a wand of hawthorn, and I, I I beat my servant about it most most furiously. But what? It, well, instead of knowing the names of trees and birds and pieces of furniture, what do we know the names of instead? Pokemon. Do different types of tweets. Oh yeah, that that's, too. That's that's shit posting. Yeah, we all know the different flavors of that, shit posting. That's a that's a dank meme. There, we know that there is a reply guy. We know what that that is. The reply guy. Uh, we know what a uh, thirsty tweet is. Um. We uh, know the we know the names of all the different uh, alt right internet uh, grifters that are out there who will, who are like a young person and they say something like you know I have diabetes but I like having my medicine be three hundred dollars a vial uh, thank you President Trump and then like just he has five hundred likes on it we know all the names of those guys. Like they, like their individual names or the names of that type of person. Uh both right i could also name a bunch of pokemon let's go that this is bulbasaur this is this is, this is <laughs> you, eric venusaur charmander 
Charmeleon, Charizard, Squirtle, Wartortle, Blastoise. Uh, actually, that's, I, you know, there's an order to them. There's like an official order. That's all I can do is just the nine. So we've, we've, we've proven here that it's more important to know the names of Pokemon than it is to know um, the names of uh, 19th century carriages. Well, we know, you know what, that's right. We just, all of our brains are focused on the most uh, like, totally fake shit. Like, uh, we know, a lot of people know a whole lot about Westeros history. You know, they know a lot about, uh, fake fantasy history. You know what, I bet John Thorpe, who's kind of like this sort of shitty, bullying, uh, suitor to Catherine Moreland in this character, would totally not know a lot about Westeros history. That's, uh, that's, that's a good segue. Uh, speak, also a segue is a kind of mode of transportation. But moving on from that, uh, that's a good segue in back into the story. So they're looking around for the two hot dudes on Cheap Street when they run into my stars. It is Catherine's brother and Isabella's brother, and they're friends with each other. Exactly. Yep. And the and I really like this scene because it's very cinematic because you see Catherine and Isabella running across the street, running after the two guys, and then a cart pulls up and screeches to a halt right in front of them and almost hits them. Uh, and the horse is panting; it's going so fast. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out, oh look, it's Catherine and and uh, Isabella's brothers in the same in the same carriage. And it's very it's it's very visual and very cinematic. Exactly. There's a bumper sticker that says, "I break for Whigs." Does I don't know. Would don't they be know. Tories or Whigs? Are they? I think that they would be Tories. I think that John Thorpe is definitely a Tory. He doesn't take much interest in politics at all, anyway. He's mostly just cares about his gig. Uh, I could see the Morelands being Whigs, where they're like uh, they're liberal, but they're not. You know, they're not revolutionary. They're not. They're you know, they're not uh, in the slightest bit left wing. They're just you know, uh, bourgeois and kind of genteel yeah. about it. Yeah, they they want to be able to vote. They're not into pocket and rotten boroughs. They're uh, they're a loyal. They're an opposition, but a loyal opposition. Yeah, yeah. Whereas John Thorpe is a Tory, is a high Tory. Even though he's in the, like the same the same economic class as the Morelands, he's still a Tory because he thinks it makes him seem cool to yeah. be a Tory. It makes him seem like he has more more money and influence than he actually does. Mm. Well, anyway, um... so they 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 they're they're running across the street for the guys with the cute butts. The, their brothers get in the way, and out walks. And out from this gig walks James and John. Boy, they all have such boring names. What happened to the good old days of what? What's his name? Fitzwilliam Darcy was in Pride and Prejudice. But we don't find out his name is Fitzwilliam for a while. And to be fair, he's referred to as Mr. Darcy so often in that book that he seems to be this imposing presence the whole time. Yep. This is not the uh, Pride and Prejudice podcast, though. We're talking about a completely different book. Completely different book, Northanger Abbey, which <laughs> is... Uh, be- beloved of uh of of uh, people who enjoy uh gender nonconformity, I learned this week. Is that right? Why, why yeah. do you suppose that is? Because of Mr. Tilney. Because Mr. Tilney is not gender conforming. Because he can talk on he can talk to women about things that women women are interested in. Wait. So unlike uh, our uh, good friend, so Isabella's brother unfortunately is just a total bore. They decide to pair off. They say, "Well, we've got a couple of dudes here, and how convenient that they're we're each other's brothers." Uh, let's go visit your mom's house. Wait, which house do they visit? They, they visit the Mrs. Allen's. No, no, no. First, they visit um, Mrs. Thorpe's house. The <laughs> other Mrs. Allen's. Uh, counterpart, the other Flibberty Gibbet. Exactly. Uh, so uh, Isabella decides to hang back with uh, Hang Loose, as the kids say. Insert guitar squeal here. Uh, and then uh, the, she decides to hang back with uh, 
Catherine's brother, what's his name, James? James, James, yeah. and they seem to hit it off real well. In fact, she hits it off with them so well that she only stares back at the original two boys three times. Yep, only she only stares back at them three times. That was a really funny quote. And uh, I think James is really, really into Isabella. He has met her before. He is captivated by her her archness by her teasing the boys by wearing the same hat as her best friend. You know, it'll get your brother to look at us if uh, we wear the same hat together. Hell yes. This is me. This is James. Dude, your sister's hot. Oh, yeah. Right, that's it. That's all I got. Uh, but meanwhile, uh, so Catherine says, well, uh, nothing to it, but uh, hang out with, um, with uh, what's the other guy's name? John. John. Nothing to it, but to hang out with John Thorpe, uh, you know, maybe maybe he's can do some stuff. And boy, is he just a bore! Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna read a description of of John Thorpe uh, now. Uh, John Thorpe, who in the meantime had been giving orders about the horses, soon joined them, and from him she directly received the amends which were her due. For while he slightly and carelessly touched the hand of Isabella, on her he bestowed a whole scrape and a half, a short bow. A whole scrape and half a short bow. He was a stout young man of middling height who, with a plain face and ungraceful form, seemed fearful of being too handsome unless he wore the dress of a groom and too much like a gentleman unless he were easy where he ought to be civil and impudent where he might be allowed to be easy. He took out his watch. How long do you think we have been running it from Tetbury, Miss Moreland? Uh, that was his first thing. He says and he proceeds to... Uh, boast about how fast his horse is how awesome his car is um check out my sick ride check out my sick ride how many how fast do you think you can go how many horsepower it has totally faster this has one horsepower because it's got only one horse it's got only one horse and the horse is like steaming and about to keel over this freaking horse right here could go from bath to canterbury in three minutes (laughs) and he's like and he says to to uh you know, he gives his sister, like, he does, he he treats his family like shit throughout this entire chapter. It's actually kind of funny. It's really funny. Where he's like, uh, he probably tells his younger sisters that he thinks they're very ugly. <laughs> but he actually, yeah, he actually does say that. Yeah, yeah, he's like, oh, I, you know, oh, hey, Isabel, what's up? Hey, other sisters. Hey, hey other ugly <laughs> sisters. Uh, and, and, he, and, he, and he... Hey, Skanks, having your period. <laughs> but he just gives... Over, just joshing. He, get, he bestows a whole scrape and a half a short... A whole scrape and half a short bow to uh, to Catherine. And why does he do that? Uh, maybe he can hook up with her. He thinks he can hook up with her. He thinks this is a prospect. My friend James is like, check out my sister. She's kind of hot. She's a country mouse. I bet she's easy. Give her a scrape and a half a scrape and half a short bow. I don't know what a scrape is, but I think it's he. I think he's he's his like. His his devoirs are 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 like are ostentatious. I think if you were to give two scrapes, that would be too many scrapes, and it would even a country mouse like Catherine would recognize that as being excessive. And one scrape, it's like, what am I, chopped liver? Fucking one scrape, but a scrape and a half is just that sweet spot. Oh, oh, that yeah. scrape and a half. And oh, I man. think, and and he's, and I think he's supposed to be like, I am, I like lugubrious suitor. Oh my dear, let me give me, give me your hand. I will, I will smother you in kisses. Rawr. Ladies, ladies, when that guy, when your guy starts giving you a scrape and a half, it's late at night, and he look, he turns over and he starts giving you those eyes, and he gives you a scrape and a half. You know, you yeah yeah you, yeah, know. you know you know what's happening you know yeah. what's you know what he wants am I right you know what he wants but I think you know th- this guy oh he's 
I mean, so he, the thing about this guy is he uh, brags. It's just he's a bore. He brags about his his ride the whole. He, he brags about his carriage and his horse the whole time. He's just prattling on and on about this topic that Catherine could not give it less of a shit about. Catherine is like actually like wandering off in her brain, you know, just letting him go like rah, 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 while she thinks about stuff that's more important to her. Like tries, the mysteries of Udolpho. Yeah, exactly. She tries to get away from him a, a number of times and he kind of draws her back in to talk more about his stupid car. And then eventually she says, you know what, let's maybe talk about something I want to talk about. Have you ever read the mysteries of Udolpho? All right, and then and then he goes on to neg her favorite book, and then all of her other favorite books, and then talk about. He almost mansplains the book, so he goes like, uh, uh, he says, "Oh, he definitely mansplains the book." He says, "Oh, but have you read any uh, any Mrs. Radcliffe?" And she says, "That so Mysteries first, of Udolpho is by Mrs. Radcliffe." So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So wait, first he's like, uh, uh, "No, I never read. I never read books like novels. What am I? I've got more important things to do. I only read that. You know, I only read that one. Uh, that one good one. The um, uh, well, it's it's very clear that like everybody else in early nineteenth century England, he's read a lot, a shitload of novels because there's no TV and there's nothing else to do. Yeah, so of course he has. He's just trying to play it cool, right? You know? He thinks it's just really cool to not have read novels he because that's he thinks it's more manly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think he's he's also really insecure. He's he's very very proud and also really insecure. Yeah, he says, "Oh man, I just recently read this one. It was so girly and lame. It was called Camilla. It was about a vampire." Ugh. Yeah, and it was like, it, it, and it, it didn't have any sexy girls in it whatsoever. And there was there were no skeletons behind the veil. It was like worst fucking novel ever. Yeah, it sucked. And she's like, "Okay, well, I haven't really read it." And then, oh yeah, and then of course he mansplains uh, Anne Radcliffe to her, where he's like, "Yeah, I only read books by." Anne Radcliffe, and she goes, well, it's by Anne Radcliffe. And she's like, oh, oh, oh. Right, he, I mean, he's such, like, the terrible, terrible, doofus, suitor, boorish hack. Yeah. Um, And he, and, like, comically so. He probably listens to Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah, this guy definitely <laughs> listens to Joe Rogan. Well, I'm not right-wing, I'm a centrist. I'm a classical liberal. And and he says that he, he you know he he's afraid of being looking too pretty and so he dresses down. Oh yeah. He's so he's too handsome. He he's fearful of being too handsome and so he dresses like a servant. And he's uh, he is doesn't want to be too much of a gentleman. Wants the boys to like him as his rough and ready self. And so he's easy where he ought to be civil. I'm not gonna wear uh, uh, tight jeans or do that because you know that's too you know. That's that's too girly, you know. Yeah, he's not going to wear tight jeans because it's too girly, and he does he doesn't he's not doing anything for, that girls will like him for. Exactly, that's, he's he's a, he is the polar opposite of Mister Tilney, who's doing everything that girls will like him for. Yeah, but she's still going. To, you know what? He still probably like complains about how he doesn't get enough attention. Yeah. Yeah, he complains about how he doesn't get enough attention, and but I don't even know if he notices that he gets a lot of attention from uh, from women as long because he is like he's a rattle. I think that he, he he rattles on and on and on, and they don't they don't care. Was he that a direct uh, comparison in there? Rattle? Is that a direct? Uh... No, the, uh, James James Moreland calls him. You know, oh, you would love my friend. He's a rattle. Yeah, he is a rattle. You know, and he thinks it's charming, but it's not charming. But you know, but what I want to know, what what the question that I have is, if the uh, if he is such a shithead. Why is Catherine, who is presumably a decent person, why is her? Why does her brother hang out with him? Well, I mean, I think her brother is just. I, I, I is think it because he has a car? 
It's because he has a car. Yeah. It's, you know it's because he has he has that 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 gig. Let's, that, let's that takes him talk. to Bath. He brags about it a lot, and we don't like him. But to be fair, that is a sick ride. Yeah, it's a pretty nice car. I mean, I, I mean, to be fair to John Thorpe, it's a sick ride, and it's also a really nice horse. He doesn't know when to be easy and when to be civil in in uh, in informal conversation, and he dresses like a groom, and he doesn't know how to talk to girls. It's the only thing he has going. I know, and he knows it. Yeah. He knows it. He's just really insecure. Yeah. Tiny penis man. I think he, um, no, he totally uh, blames his lack of success on women on a vast left-wing conspiracy by such feminist luminaries as Mary Wollstonecraft <laughs> and, um, uh... Mary Stewart. Yeah, yeah, um... <laughs> Susan B. Anthony. Was she working around uh, early? Was she around then? I don't think so. I think, yeah, I think the suffrage, yeah, but maybe, um... I was about to make a joke about the suffragettes, but that was much later. Uh, what are some, like... Some French revolutionary women, like, uh... Well, there's the, um, the lady in, uh, the History of the World Part 1, the Mel Brooks movie. Oh, there's the, Madame Defarge. Madame Defarge, yeah, yeah. Who, who pops her boobs with knitting needles, um, for the revolution. Exactly. Uh, the, he, he thinks Madame Defarge is a real woman, and, uh... Uh, well, anyway, this joke has run its course. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so there's Madame. There, so so he's he's mad because Madame Deforge emasculates him, mm-hmm. and Madame Deforge emasculates him, and so he has to talk about his gig all the time to girls because he doesn't know what else to talk about because he's really insecure and he thinks that being mean to his ugly sisters and calling them ugly makes him a, a cool guy. Uh, why, why does, so James, I keep mixing up James and John, uh, James is Catherine's brother. Yeah. James, the reason why James hangs out with John is James is, like, you know, he seems to be a decent dude, but, like, one, not a lot of choices back then. There wasn't, uh, you know, uh, Regency Facebook. Uh, yeah, you just had the, you had all the guys in your college. Two, you know, I've had, uh, questionable friends before, and when you're a young person and there's a, there's a guy who's, like, clearly kind of not as, like, maybe following you around, being your, like, buddy, saying all the rude jokes that, like, haha, you know, but you can't say because you're a decent person. Yep. There's a certain charm in that. There's a certain charm in having kind of an Iago or a, a like a like a Disney sidekick. Yeah, but, but I I would I would agree with that. And as somebody who has many problematic friends, that I I definitely sympathize with that. But I also feel. But but the thing about this guy is that he's boring. Oh, that's yeah. his that's his main character trait is that he is dull. He's a bore. And he just he talks about like guess how many guess how long it took my horse to get from Bath to Canterbury. Guess guess oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah no half that it's he's oh, really fast horse hours. <laughs> really fast horse. Um, and he's he's a he's a bore with a car. Yeah, and a and a hot sister. I think that's the other appeal for James Moreland is that he's got a car and he's got a hot sister. And yeah, I think, I'd probably hang you know, out with him for all that. Frankly, you know, what, what's a guy? What's a guy in eighteen fourteen going to do? Honestly, it's two thousand nineteen. If I knew a guy with like a nice car and a hot sister, I, you know, that's enough for me. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and I get into his hot his his car with and like he's like he just starts blasting the uh, the Joe Rogan show on the on his. You know, I'd be like, oh god, we got to do this. I just I got to hang out with this guy in order to get a ride. And but I think like also the, the subtle thing in this chapter is uh, with where Catherine is basically peer pressured into coupling off with this guy. 
Yeah, which is. is which is very sad, yeah, and and I sympathize with it entirely because, and I have a I have a story here. Let's hear it. I have a story of somebody who this guy very much reminds me of, and he was a British guy, and I don't remember his real name, but I because me and my friends called him Butt Chin. <laughs> um, you know, I have a Butt Chin. I've got the cleft. You do have the cleft. Yeah, yeah, it was not, yeah. but this guy had like a like it was severe. Like it was like a um, like it was like a Habsburg chin. Oh dear, almost. And then <laughs> he was drooling. And then and then it was like there were, and then it had like pimples and blackheads Ugh. in the in the middle of it, and it was like it was so deep you couldn't see inside Ugh. of it. Um, and uh, and he was a friend of a friend when I was studying abroad in Oxford, and I had to go. I had to go on a date with him because oh. all of my friends wanted me to, oh. and it was really like unpleasant. And he had an unpleasant personality and only liked talking about himself. Mm. And I was very confused by how tipping worked in in the, in the United Kingdom at the time. And so. Uh, and I and I asked him when we were in a restaurant, and he 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 calls the waiter over, and he says, "Excuse me, are you expecting us to tip?" Oh dear! Uh, and that was like the high point of our evening. And <laughs> and, 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 and it went downhill from there. It went downhill from there, and uh, and so Butchin is was my John Thorpe. I'm pretty sure tipping is a village in Surrey. It's a little British joke for you right there. Let's move on. Let's let, yeah. All right. And, and I think, you know, if you want to write into our podcast about the John Thorpes that you have been peer pressured into dating. Please do. Please, please do. Please tell us your stories. Right into chapter by chapter 01 at gmail.com. Because I feel like we are, you know, I think a lot of people, in particular, everybody, but I think particularly women, are often peer pressured into dating people you don't want to date out of peer pressure, and then and and also out of out of pity. If only the perfect man could just step into this room right now and wait. Who is that? Who's who's knocking at the door? Hello, it's me, Laurentina Skeleton. Laura- I'm very confused. Laurentina Skeleton. Yes, it's me. I'm Laurentina Skeleton. Are, are, are you Laurentina Skeleton? Are you the perfect man? I'm the perfect date. Women love my humorous sensibilities. Oh, it's a little pun right so, there. So, 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 Laurentina Skeleton, are you now? Have you switched genders after death? After you have lost all your flesh? I was unaware that Laurentina was a woman's name before I started this joke. <laughs> you, Laura, so this, you thought this was Mr. Laurentina? I, I, you know, I thought maybe he was like a Roman or something, like you know, like Constantine. That sounds kind of like a woman's name in English, but it turns out it was a dude emperor. Anyway, I'm the perfect. You know what? You're being very gender essentialist. I can see I, you're I, perfect I, I am despite to- being I am, dead many centuries. I am totally being gender essentialist, and we're reading Northanger Abbey, which is the least gender essentialist of, of all the Jane Austens. Very true, but I have a bone to pick with this book. What's your bone, Laurentina Skeleton? Not enough skeletons! It has more skeletons than any other Jane Austen novel. Oh, really? I cannot wait. Although I am a big fan of this guy, uh, Joe, Joe, Jacob, who's the nasty guy? John Thorpe? John Thorpe, because he's a rattle. I think, Laurentina, you would be the ideal bride for John Thorpe. Well, get it, because he's a rattle in my bones. Uh, they're a rattle. Whoa, whoa, 
Oh, wow, look at that. His head has popped off the skeleton, and it's sort of, like, gliding around his, uh... Oh, are you, are you are you gonna are you gonna do some kind of tap dance for us? Florentina skeleton. What what is your what are your pronouns? It's okay. She, they, he. It doesn't matter. I'm a, I've been long dead. I don't really care for such things anymore. Uh, am I will I tap dance? Yes. Please commence the xylophone music. Uh, take some of my bones and play my rib cage like it's a xylophone while I tap dance. Why don't you? Okay. Here we go. Okay, uh, you can't see this, but Laurentina's skeleton is doing a tap dance for us right now. She's taken off of her head and she's juggling with it. Now she's juggling her thigh bones, her thigh bone and her elbow bone, and it's really very impressive. Well, I've outstayed my welcome. Time for Leo the dog to chew on me. Goodbye. Okay, you look really delicious. I'm, I'm kind of envious of Leo the dog's ability to chew on you. Wow, that, was, that was that was really that was really something else. I can't I, believe Laurentina Skeleton came to us from behind the black veil. Behind the black veil. I mean, to be fair, there are many, many black veils in my apartment. <laughs> Some of them hold be, uh, skeletons. I noticed. Others, who knows? Not all of them are animate skeletons. No, no, yeah. no. Some of them are just corpses. Some of them aren't even skeletons. They're just rotting bodies. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I was. I. You know. I. And I'm. You know. I'm really impressed by how unfrightened you are right now, considering all of the bodies buried in my apartment. Oh there, no! I'm just. I just keep. A, there are just so many veils. I keep a cool exterior. So, but I'm. I trust me. I'm rattled. Uh, you know, w- week after week, you're coming back. We're recording the podcast, mm-hmm. and you're rattled. You know, you're. I, I assume that you. You must be having a, having a good time. Yeah, I. I am though. You know what? This is uh, really working out for me. Um. Uh, one of the reasons why Laurentina Skeleton had to leave is because, uh, just coincidentally, I had run out of uh, bone puns. Uh, so, you know, that sort of corresponds to how long Laurentina can stay on this podcast, is yep. the amount of bone puns that okay. they've got. Okay, okay, yeah. so you need to build up your stash of bone puns because I have a lot of skeletons in my apartment. Yeah, yeah. So there are going to be many props. Uh, oh, so that was pretty good. I'm glad we got that guest from... We're having a lot of really good guests on our show. Oh, we had Slavoj Zizak. We had Laurentina Skeleton. We had that horse. We had the horse. We had, we had Fudge. Oh, oh Fudge the fudge. horse. Fudge is off us. Fudge's so skeleton may... Oats. He may come back. Fudge's skeleton. <laughs> Fudge's skeleton. Oh, no. It'll be it'll be very like a, like a Night King in <laughs> in, uh, in Game of Thrones, where, the, where Laurentina's skeleton will ride Fudge's skeleton into my apartment. I've been seriously humming after uh, Game of Thrones, just been like, Night King, he's a Fraid King, he's a Nice King, he's not Nice King, he's a Rabba. And, like, I'm walking to work, I'm really tired, and, like, people are like, what are you muttering under your breath? And I'm like, it's too, I can't even. Anyway. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you I you seem like they have some things to work on. Yeah, there. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what do, I guess what what do we have to say about this chapter, Eric? Oh yeah, wait. How did it end? So they visit uh, the Thorpe's house, and then they visit the Allens' house. And and John Thorpe is an asshole to his mother and his three sisters, but and calls them all ugly. They are. The three sisters are really ugly. The thing, the funniest thing is is what, what is, is he makes fun of his mother's hat. Yeah. He's like, oh, mom, I love you, and I am the best son that you will ever have. And why are you wearing that ugly hat? <laughs> hey, mom, nice hat. <laughs> and I have totally met this guy. Yeah. I've totally met the guy who, like, is mean to his mom to impress the girls, you... and then mean to the girls to impress his mom, and it doesn't make any sense. You visit their house, and, uh, like, he's just being a huge asshole to his parents, and you're sitting there like, what, what do I do? What what, what what am I doing here? What do I do? Man, I'm, this is really yeah, awkward. You can't, you can't say anything because yeah. it's like the parents are there and they're not saying anything and you don't want to 
Mom, where are our pizza rolls? Oh no, no, it's it's okay, Mrs. Newcomb. You don't have to. Mom. <laughs> I guess you know what 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 to do with the assholes in the family is hopefully just not marry them. No, absolutely. Don't not. marry the assholes, and don't let your friends peer pressure you into going out with men who only talk about their gigs. Yeah. And their horses, and who say things like, uh, uh, you know, how many uh, do look at my horse made for speed? <laughs> Honestly, that's do a... look at my horse made for speed. I, I, oh yes, I love the made for speed movies though. <laughs> they're about horses, and they're like race each other, and there's like a cop horse. And he's like, I gotta catch these horses. Yeah. And like one of the horses is like a Vin Diesel style horse, and the other horse is like a The Rock horse. And um, they there's like seven of them. They're they're. Uh... This joke isn't going I, anywhere. It's I, like I, a Fast I, and I, Furious, I don't... except they're horses. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> oh, like Speed. Yeah, like, like the movie Speed, speed okay. with Keanu Reeves, let's only read, they're all horses. Hold on. The gonna, horse is going to blow up. I'm going to redo this joke. Let's put in a rewind sound effect. Yes, uh, there's a giant bus horse that everybody sits on top of, and they're like, if this horse goes under three miles per hour, if this handsome cab goes under three miles per hour, an incendiary device will detonate. <laughs> and yep. the Keanu Reeves is like, he's like trotting along. He actually can probably run and they, catch they up have to, They have to change horses mm -hmm. in mid-ride. Yeah, and he holds up, like, a big sign that says, like, uh, like, uh, old-style grenade under, under carriage, and the carriage coachman is like, what? I don't understand you. And he rolls his eyes, and he writes it out again, and it says, uh, pewter, uh, like, black pewter orb with cartoonishly long, uh, fuse underneath your carriage. Watch out. And, uh, eventually has to leap from his horse onto the carriage that's going three miles per hour. Oh, because the, also nobody on the carriage can read, so it doesn't matter. I, I would actually watch that movie. I think this is a good idea. This is a really good idea. Regency era speed. Oh, yeah, and they come up and they're like, the bridge! Oh, no! And then they jump over it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, who will drive this carriage now that the cabbie is gone and Sandra Bullock is there? Anyway. It's just, it's just like, oh, yeah, I'll take the reins. Yeah, literally. It's, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. So, uh, well, yeah, what happens in this in this chapter is uh, Catherine Moreland is kind of pressured into staying to her brother after all of this has happened. That, oh, I, yeah, when asked, uh, do you like my friend? She says, instead of her natural answer, which is, no, he's an asshole, it's, oh, yeah, yeah, he, I like him very much. Oh, they even say, I think there's a quote. Can we? Can we yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, she says, uh, had she been older or vainer, such attacks might have done little, but where youth and diffidence are united, it requires uncommon steadiness of reason to resist the attraction of being called the most charming girl in the world and of being so very early engaged as a partner and the consequence was that when the two Morelands after sitting an hour with the Thorpe set off to walk together to Mr. Allen's and James as the door was closed on them said well Catherine how do you like my friend Thorpe instead of answering as she probably would have done that there had been no friendship and no flattery in the case I do not like him at all she directly replied I like him very much he seems very agreeable yeah I've been there where it's like yeah she's fine I guess I don't know yeah, and I think like he, she's so Catherine is so young and so innocent and inexperienced, and all she wants to do is please people. She wants to please Isabella and her brother, who wants to wants her to like his friend because she she because he really really likes Isabella. This really contextualizes that period, I think, because I totally remember being that age and like 
everybody else, all the older, all the adults, all the people I looked up to were, like, really confident about a thing happening, and I could not care less, but I was barely even present. I was like, let's get them to stop talking. And I can see how, like, people back then would just get married to avoid having to uh, listen to your freaking family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I do not want to hear you talk about how fast your horse went from Bath to Canterbury one more time. I will marry you if it'll get you to shut up. Right, and which is a whole theme in uh, in Pride and Prejudice, where uh, uh, Lizzie's uh, neighbor marries the really, really boring uh, rector guy, um, whose name I can't remember right now, um, basically just so that she can get married and get the fuck out of her house. And she knows that, oh, if we have, we're, we're rich, we're going to have a big house, I won't ever have to see my husband, so I'm just going to marry the first asshole who comes along. Yeah. But we keep going back to Pride and Prejudice. It is the Austin. It is. It, it's well. It's the. It's the. It's the iconic. Yeah. Austin, and it's also the most romantic Austin. And here we are starting this uh, podcast, and uh, you know, with the more obscure Austin, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, we're bold. I and it, I guess like 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 what do we what do we I guess we we should probably wrap this up today. Uh, but what do we any any sort of thoughts on the whole chapter uh more stuff happened and i'm glad more stuff happened i'm also glad i'm glad we got introduced to the villain john thorpe oh is he a villain i i feel i can't remember but i feel like he is a villain yes there's a difference between just like your ordinary jackass and like a, a villain like he's going to uh oppose well, i that's, i guess that's that's the thing about this chapter and i think yeah. that's those are my overall comments is that all of these characters are are kind of parodies of gothic novel satire gothic novel characters whereas john thorpe is not, is like he's the villain and but unlike the villain in a gothic novel with his black cloak and mustache carrying off Laurentina behind the veil mm-hmm. he's just a jerk yeah he's, he's just, just kind a, of an ordinary he's jerk. just a jerk who doesn't know how to talk to people and and is in love with his car well i'm get, i'm uh, well he's like Gaston right yeah. in beauty and the beast yes, where yes. he's not a, a supernatural villain he's just the town jock uh, I'm looking forward to, if he's the villain, then that means he's going to oppose uh, some kind of plan or some kind of goal of Catherine's. And I'm looking forward to Catherine becoming a more active character. Uh, like many young, insecure teenagers, Catherine really is just this passive figure, I feel like. Yeah, she's a very passive figure, and things are things so far have happened to her, yeah. but she has not taken action. She has just sort of accepted everything. So I'm looking forward to her taking actions. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Um, so, Eric, what recommendations do you have oh, for our listeners today? Uh, I feel like I should have a new recommendation. Actually, you know what? I'm going to just draw upon a list of my old favorite books because, uh, I don't know, go out and read. Um, what, what were we talking about? Were we talking about skeletons? We were. We were talking about Laurentina Skeleton, maybe a gothic novel. What's a, yeah, well, you should read all the gothic novels. You should read, um, I've definitely read The Castle of Toronto. Uh, you should read the monk, which is really like, which is actually referenced in this chapter as the inappropriately pornographic novel that John Thorpe recommends to Catherine Moreland. Um, uh, and you should read it because it's inappropriately pornographic and not for not for children. Uh, you should read Camilla. It is about a, it predates uh, Dracula. It's a uh, it delightfully predates Dracula. It is a a, a vampire novel. It predates Dracula by a considerable degree, actually. <laughs> We interrupt this program to bring you a correction. It appears my stupid brain has confused Carmilla with Camilla. Carmilla is an 1872 gothic novella by Irish author J. Sheridan Le Fanu about a lesbian vampire. 
a, a sexy lady vampire who seduces women into a life of evil vampirism through a combination of vampire powers and uh, sapphic erotica. It's an example of uh, uh, fetishizing lesbianism while at the same time condemning it as evil and unnatural. Camilla, written by Francis Burney in 1796, is not about those things. Thank you, and enjoy the rest of the show. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, there's, uh, there was, uh, Dracula, Dracula, oh, here's my, here's my hot take. I, I like to compare Dracula, the book, but with Harry Potter. Uh, and the reason why is I don't find Bram Stoker... Dracula's boring. So here's the deal. Bram Stoker and J.K. Rowling, I, I put in the same category as they're not the... Best writers, they're not the most intelligent writers, but they sort of accidentally made the right combination. They stumbled upon the right combination to make them instant, everlasting successes. In the case of Dracula, he had the uh, the vampire uh, myth, which was really hot in... Uh, it, this was easily into the Victorian era at that time. That was really hot. They had the sort of scary, sexy foreigner thing. They had the decadent nobleman that was sort of popularized, uh, I mean, as early as Lord Byron, right? Before that. Even before that, uh, definitely. Uh, then they had uh, uh, women sort of being not as great as men as to resisting the lure of the East, of the dark and mysterious East. And they have uh, Victorian optimism and technology sort of smiting the bad guys. So they have things like crossbows and Van Helsing's all, he's got a bunch of gadgets and stuff. And he didn't do that on purpose. He just kind of took all the stuff that was in his culture at the time and condensed yeah, it down so into Dracula. That, that is very like Harry Potter. And Harry Potter is the same situation where she took the uh, the boarding school story and like wizards and, and kind of smashed them together and said, "Hey, this is kind of a cool idea." And, and boom. Yeah, and and I think what was it? Uh, Neil Neil Gaiman's The Books of Magic. There's a character who goes to wizard school. Oh, I mean, there have been so many wizards. And, and has an owl. And so the wizard boarding school thing is already, it, it like the, the, it was already done in a more obscure. Uh, Jane Yolen's Wizard's Hall is a, uh, is a, uh, a children's book that is literally Hogwarts. It's literally the same story. It's not, you know, I mean, whether or not they came about the idea independently, because it's, you know, it's an idea that's worth coming about. It's a wizard school that, a wizard's boarding school, but um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a... Oh, yeah. So I was going to recommend a book I read a few weeks back, uh, David Small's Stitches. And this is a graphic novel about a boy in the 1950s whose father is a uh, radiologist and he gives him so many x-rays to cure his boyhood sinus infections that he gives him cancer. Oh, and um, Whoops. and it's uh, it's a really beautiful, very very graphic graphic novel about like nineteen fifties medicine and a really really messed up family, and it's a it's a memoir too, and it's beautifully drawn and it's very very heartfelt. And so if you if you want to be like, you know, lie on your couch and get stabbed in the heart by beautiful pictures and a very very sad story uh, for two and a half hours one night, I really really recommend this book. Sounds like a good recommendation. Oh yeah, uh, Wizard's Hall by Jane Yolen. There, easy recommendation. There we go. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Okay, and that's I guess that's it from us. Yeah, uh, and and Laurentina skeleton and Leo the dog and Fudge the skeleton horse and Slavoj Zizek and well, am I forgetting anyone? No, no, I, I think all of the gang is uh, is all here. Uh, I'll see you. I'll, we'll see you later. See you later. Mm-hmm.